Gyro Nation Metal. Welcome to Gyro Nation Metal. My name is Jeff, and I'll be your host. To join us for our first episode is legendary Seattle-based photographer, Iron Mike Savoya. Mike has been in the game for over 35 years, becoming Journey's official tour photographer, as well as the official photographer for Monsters of Rock, Cruise to the Edge, and Mega Cruise. He's had a huge impact in the rock and metal community by working for years by the sides of bands such as Journey, Behemoth, Alice in Chains, Slipknot, In Flames, Judas Priest, Iron Maiden, and many, many more. Hey, Mike. Welcome, hey. and thank you for joining me on the podcast. It's good to hey, see thanks, you again. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jeff. It's been, it's been a few years since I've seen yeah. you in person. Uh, <laughs> a quick six years, yeah. It goes yeah. by pretty quick. Yeah, It seems like this last uh, year and a half has kind of flown by, but also crawled by at the same time. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. It, it uh, Yeah, 17 months of uh, what the heck happened, you know? It's pretty much like a weird time warp. It is. Um, so let's... We'll come back to this COVID thing in a little bit, but uh, first off, I want to get to uh, see how you got into photography, concert photography. Where did everything start? Uh, boy, started a long time ago. Um, I mean, basically, my first concert was uh, Kiss in the Seattle Center Arena, and that was uh, 1979. And I think I was like 13 or something like that. And uh Kiss just blew my mind. I mean, just the show as a kid, seeing everything that was happening, you know, Gene breathing fire, spitting blood, and uh, Ace Frehley's guitar flying through the Coliseum and blowing up. I mean, it, it, it was an impact on me that uh, with a family that always was doing photography, you know, from my dad to my uncles, uh, that was that love of photography and seeing Kiss, I was like, oh, I need to do, I need to put my love of photography into uh, what I'm seeing. And so a few months later, I saw Rush and that was on the Permanent Waves tour. And that was a whole different kind of show. You know, it was more prog and just a, a little bit of a mellower show than a Kiss show. But still, it was just my love of music. And, uh, and it came kind of full circle when I got to about 1983, 84 when I could actually go to shows, local shows. And uh, my first show locally that I brought a camera to and shot uh, was kind of a, um, a weird situation. It was supposed to be Metallica, and it was supposed to be the first time they played in Seattle, and it was at a skating rink. It was uh, called the Lake Hill Skate Rink. And... Uh, Opening the show was a local band called the Wild Dogs, which I didn't know anything about at the time. And they were from Portland. And so what happened was something happened at the border. Metallica couldn't make the show. And the Wild Dogs ended up headlining the show. And uh, I, was, I, I was blown away. I mean, they were a local act and they were just amazing. And the funniest thing, uh, kind of a weird time warp here, my very first concert photography was the Wild Dogs. Well, the Wild Dogs, their drummer was Dean Castronova. And we became friends at, you know, six, he was 16 years old at the time. Mm -hmm. And to make the full circle around, when I started kind of shooting Journey, Dean was the drummer. So That's crazy. Yeah. So it was like, 
you know, and uh, last week at Lollapalooza, we were backstage and, you know, we just, every time we see each other now, it's kind of like, dude, can you believe this is, you know, 2021? And here we were kids in 1983, first meeting. And here we are all these decades later, still, you know, doing, doing what we love. (laughs) He still drums, you know, for everybody. And, and now I'm shooting photos for everybody, everything. Yeah. (laughs) So (laughs) So did your guys' friendship have anything to do with you becoming their photographer or? um, Not really, because he was drumming for a while with them. And, uh, I ended up, it was about, I think it was like, well, 2012, 2012 Ooh. was when I first shot journey uh, when Dean was in journey and that was in the uh, Seattle Coliseum. And uh, yeah. And it just started kind of from there. And then a few years later is when I joined on, you know, Neil Sean hired me Ooh. and uh, yeah. But, but at that time, Dean wasn't in the band. So, oh, okay. Yeah, so it was kind of weird. I shot Journey with Dean, but then yeah. I got hired when he wasn't in the band. Yeah, but I'm still with the band, and now he's in Journey again. <laughs> it, that's interesting. It comes full circle twice. Then, <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. <laughs> that's insane. So I was actually going to ask you about uh, Journey and Lollapalooza, but mm-hmm. one thing I noticed on your Instagram is that you posted a Letterman jacket from Journey. Is that something mm. significant, or can you tell me a little bit more about that? Uh, man, that was an amazing, amazing gift. I mean, the, the Sean's, uh, Mikhail, his wife is amazing. She's, um, she takes care of everybody. And mm-hmm. so for special events like this, they come up with these crazy, you know, cool merch ideas. And with that idea, um, of the letterman's jacket, you know, with the J in the front, obviously for yeah. the letter. And then in the back, I had the, the beautiful, journey winged logo and then you know Lollapalooza on the bottom but she surprised everybody you know all our photography crew to the crew themselves and people with this jacket and I can't even explain how the quality of this jacket is I mean I've had I've you know seen Letterman jackets but this thing wow Uh, you know it's it's pretty special so so it was really cool you know I, I I feel totally appreciated you know, working, working for people that care about their, you know, inner family or touring people. And especially when it's, um, it's such a, there's such a high level band and they've toured with so many people. They worked with so many people over the years. Mm -hmm. It must be incredible to have that kind of relationship with them. Yeah. You know, it is. And, and the one thing with the one thing with journey, you know, especially Neil Sean, I mean, he's been there since the beginning you know, and that's like, I think 1973. So it's going to be closing on 50 years. And this guy is such, he has so much passion for what he does, his guitar, the music, the name journey. I've never met anybody in the music business with that much passion, you know, to this day. Mm -hmm. It's his drive, you know, and I don't know if you see any of his uh, Instagram posts, uh, but he he's jamming guitar eight hours a day still, you know, all the time. And, yeah. it, you know, his his ideas never end. It, it's just it's crazy. But, you know, it's just it's just a pre- you know, I'm so appreciative of, of being involved with somebody like that this far in my life. 
because most music photographers are done, you know, 10 years or so. And I just been piddling along and it's gotten better with age. So, you know, I'm kind of like a wine bottle, I guess, in the luck, (laughs) in in the lucky version. (laughs) You know, what's funny is um, about the night that we met, I remember you saying something almost exactly like that. You were talking about how long you've been there for and how you just want to keep going. Um, Yeah. Now, since in those past six years, how have things changed? You said things keep getting better. You've obviously been doing a lot of work. What keeps you going? Oh, what keeps me going is the same thing I was just talking about, Neil. It's the passion for what you do, what you've lived for, <laughs> and what what drives you. You know, music mm-hmm. to me is everything. It has been since day one when my parents, you know, my my parents, you know, I can remember in the late 60s, um, them jamming all the Cream and Jimi Hendrix and mm-hmm. And all that stuff. And then we got into the 70s. And uh, my mom and dad were never pigeonholed into one music. So I pretty much grew up on the 60s, the 70s rock, the country, you know, all the Buck Owens and all that stuff. And then my, and then disco came. And my mom and dad were got into disco. And, you know, so I grew up in Ohio players and, and on and on. So that whole combination of the music, from the sixties to the seventies is, uh, you know, you don't see that today in music, you know, it's just back then, uh, you could turn a radio station on and you would hear kiss one minute, uh, (laughs) you know, something, you know, the Bee Gees next, you know, there was, there wasn't any pigeonhole of music really on radio back in the early seventies. And so for me growing up on that, you know, my expansion of music is everything. And that's why I like to, you know, I'm, I'm mainly metal and rock. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. my true love, especially metal, but I will shoot the country artists. I have friends in pop and in other genres, you know, because it's just all, uh, you know, it gives variety to what you, to what you listen to. And there's so many different types of talent too. It's not just all, uh, segregated in one form or another in the music community right mm-hmm. so many yep. different kinds of metal so many different kinds of rock but then you can branch out and you see everything i mean seattle you had grunge uh you have everything rap and country there's there's so much to enjoy it's almost not yeah possible. and that's the <laughs> other thing too is another lucky piece to my puzzle yep. is born in seattle because from the 60s to now we have I mean, every, I mean, just think Jimi Hendrix, mm-hmm. then we had Hart, you know, oh, yeah. and, and, and even Macklemore, we have, you know, the grunge, we have, you know, Soundgarden, Allison Chains, yeah. all those guys. I mean, if you really think about Seattle and as a music lover and as a, you know, a photographer, mm-hmm. how lucky was I to be born in Seattle? Cause there's not too okay. many cities, you know, in the history of music that I've been alive that you know, could, could see here and, you know, photography, you know, do photography. Yep. With, with so much variety. That's just it. And you were, so you were already going to metal concerts by 83, 84, and that's kind of when the grunge scene started. <clears throat> yeah. So did so, you start it, photographing that side of things too, or just listening or? In a, in a good way, in a bad way. No, I never, 
I, I was not a fan of the grunge movement in Seattle. I was mm-hmm. a metalhead, you know, my metal church, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm the guy who was there, you know, and basically those eighties for me, um, you know, was, locally was like wild dogs and metal church. And we had all kinds of bands coming out of here, but you know, that, that year 82, I think it was, uh, I turned on KISW and I heard this riff and I've never heard that kind of style of riff before. And yep. I remember turning up my dad's stereo and just listening, going, what is this? You know, this is amazing. And it ended up uh, being Dallas 1 p.m. by Saxon. Okay. And they were on the radio. And I was like, what is this? Saxon? Mm-hmm. Like, So this whole new wave of British heavy metal, you know, was starting to come to America. And then in high school, I had a buddy... Um, come over george babcock and he brought over um, metallica's kill em all and ravens all for one and oh and except uh except restless and wild yeah and he came over and all i remember is him sticking on metallica on my dad's stereo and the first words out of my mouth was you put it on 78 because on the record player you had 16 i think it was 33 and 78 speeds you okay. could you could change so i thought he put it on the fastest speed instead of 33 which is a normal lp speed yeah. i thought he put it on 78 because it was it was just <laughs> like you know it was you know the riffs and the drums yeah. just like it's like what the hell is this i was like this is this is insane you know yeah and it's so incredibly fast you know yeah and then he put on except and so fast as a shark was that first song. And, you know, mm-hmm. here you, you hear Udo screaming, you know, and the guitars come in and just this speed, you know, speed metal stuff. And I was just like, this is a, this is amazing. You know, especially as a, you know, around 16 years old, you know, you got all those yeah. hormones kicking in, man. You want to, you want to <laughs> rule the world. And, and then he stuck Raven and that was the third album he stuck on. And if, out of those three bands, that was a band that really, that album today is my favorite album of all time. I'm going to have to take a listen after this. Yeah, it's it's just the classic metal with with you know some speed, just power and everything and the production from uh uh Wagner, uh Michael Wagner, uh today still to this day um I love because it's a it's a true sound. It's mm-hmm. not like everything today is kind of over-processed or the sound is kind of squeezed in. It's, you know, it's, what's the word? Mm-hmm. Um, condensed. And when you listen to this all for one album, it's just, this, the, the guitars are metal. I mean, I can't even, it's like a razor blade. It's that, that good sounding. So uh, yeah. So that, that, that year, those years right there kind of changed me forever where just metal was everything. Yeah. So your <laughs> yeah. first foray into metal was mostly thrash then. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And then, um, you know, listening to those bands, me and my, my friend, Scott Fulweiler, uh, he, he was driving at the time and we went to easy street records in Bellevue and that's where, uh, walked in mm-hmm. and it was like heaven. Mm-hmm. I mean, you looked on the wall and you had, you know, you had uh, Canada's Exciter, you know, uh, Man of War, 
on and on, name it, you know, back in the early 80s. And they had every record there. So we would go there with the money we had and just we just buy, you know, buy one because yeah. you never really, you know, we didn't have the Internet back then. No, you so it wasn't really like, no. Yeah, you don't know. So all you're doing is reading the magazines, you know, like Metal Forces from Europe mm-hmm. and, and local stuff. And that's the only way you knew of really what stuff sounded like. So back then it was fun. You know, you waste your money, you know, waste your money on stuff yeah. and, and you go home and put it on. You're like, all right, what, what's this? Yeah. Go for the ride. Hey, go for the ride. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you've been, I mean, talking about your original, uh, tastes in metal, like into thrash and mm-hmm. you've obviously expanded your territory here. What now, what kind of metal do you generally gravitate towards? Is there a specific type or basically anything? You know, it, it's not a p- specific type because I, I kind of feel there's too many genres, you know, for Fair. metal. Yep. For me, it's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm more of a, uh, I like power, you know, power metal, you know, even thrash, as long as it has some melody into it, you know. That's fair. Yep. Yeah. Some melody into it. And, uh, and that, you know, that's my favorite stuff. But man, it, it, if it rocks, I'll like it. You know, that's cool. You know, so now what are some of uh, your favorite local bands? Wow. Um, Local bands in Seattle. There's the issue because the local scene itself has kind of disappeared. And especially in the last two years, you know, with the pandemic, nobody can play and stuff. And, uh, you know, we've had some band, a lot of, great bands like uh window pane um and stuff but you know they, they their members are changing here and there because you know there's just no scene there's no real yeah, music great. scene anymore so for bands to you know generate a fan base locally super hard now and i'm sure it's like that for every city yeah i can imagine that um but you mentioned earlier seattle's kind of experienced like a whole whack of different uh different types of music too so do you think that has a part to play in it or do you just think it was mostly covid um it mostly covid and and also even before covid it's just a um a way of life now where uh you know if you love music you're gonna go out and find music you know to see but the problem is, you know, I mean, I've talked to other guys about it and I kind of feel like it's it's just the way of the world now where for people to have families and to actually get out on a weeknight and having to get up at, you know, five in the morning or six to mm-hmm. go to a show. I mean, to go to work the next day that I think that's really made an effect on local music, uh, especially with the times of some of the shows. You know, like when Mm -hmm. a headliner goes on at 11 o'clock at night, you know, you're not going to get the show's not going to get over until 1230 or one. By the time you get home, it's two. And then you got to get up at five or six and go to work. That that right there, I think, is kind of a detriment. And, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, I, I wish shows would be earlier. You know, I wish headliners would be on at like 9 30, 10 o'clock. And, yeah. and, and we're talking, we're talking clubs because, you yes, know, the, that's true. Yeah. The main big shows, all yeah. the headliners, they go on at, you know, 9, 9 30. So that's good. But for local, local stuff, no, it's always. But they tend to make them later then. 
it always it always runs late. So, but uh, yeah, so I don't know what it's like in you know where you live, if it's like that. Um, I've noticed in recent years, I've noticed a lot of them uh, making the shows earlier, in part due to the fact we don't get the same audience numbers, like. Um, yep sorry, the same number of people in the venues. So I think part of the reason they open it up to all ages and make things a little bit earlier is so they can get a larger crowd, uh, more sales, I would assume. Yeah. And, and that's what I feel. I mean, if, 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 if they did that, I think they would get more people to the mm-hmm. shows. But until then, man, you know, I don't, I, it's, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough for local, local bands, especially after this pandemic. Um, you know, I don't know what the rules are going to be and yeah. And they're going to be different rules in different places. So, yeah. And if people aren't, you know, you know, people are just kind of scared of going out or whatever. Um, that's going to affect it big time. Yeah. We've already heard lots of bands, um, whether they're pulling out or they're just worried about COVID or people being vaccinated. It's quite interesting to see the different takes on, uh, whether or not they're making vaccinations mandatory uh which countries people can play in which bands are allowed yeah i saw yeah because live nation announced that you have to prove a vaccination um for shows mm-hmm. now and yeah and there's some artists that you know i would say the older artists are kind of like you know playing it safe i mean like stevie nicks yesterday mm-hmm. i saw she decided you know she had like five shows for the rest of the year but they were pretty big shows and she uh, decided, you know, even though she's vaccinated, that it's just safer for her to kind of take these rest of the months off and see how this variant is uh, affecting cities and stuff like that. Yeah, I think it's really difficult to plan when they have consistently changing information, too. Mm-hmm. And then obviously we found, I mean, different news stories on either side yeah. of either yeah. side of the vaccination yeah. argument and blah, blah, blah. But yeah, especially here in the United States, because uh, each state is its own brain, I think, yeah. you, you know, so we have states that are, you know, like our state's pretty good vaccinated. I think here in the Seattle area, we're 70% plus vaccinated, but, you know, you get other bigger cities or states that, you know, are against it and, you know, it's going to be hard for bands to go there. Yeah, exactly. And play. Now, so you start to see things opening up, but um, Mm -hmm. prior to that, everything was completely canceled. So how did that change your business? How did that change your focus? Uh, Basically, I went into hibernation like a bear and then, uh, (laughs) no. (laughs) I wish I could have. (laughs) Yeah. Um, In my case, I'm lucky because um, I have a wife uh, who also shoots concerts. And oh, she helps and stuff. And she also shoots with Journey and everything else. Uh, but she has a, uh, she's a, uh, I think she's a software engineer. And so she does, uh, she has a really good job and stuff. And with that work, it, for mm-hmm. her, it was easy because she could work online from home. So we actually, the next room over, we uh, made the bedroom her office. And so for the last set, you know, 18 or oh, more than that months, She's yep. been working out of there. And um, yeah. So uh, so for me, in that sense, where, you know, she has a you know good paying job, mm-hmm. um, I could still, you know, I still did some photo stuff here and there, you know, just 
wearing masks or whatever yeah. and stuff. And, uh, yeah. And so basically for all those months, I was pretty much the yard work and, uh, <laughs> yeah, I did the yard <laughs> for all the years, you know what? for all the years. Break. Yeah. For all the years of, uh, traveling and shooting around the yard took a, took a beating. So that must've uh, been totally different for you. Like not being able to experience anything different, but your backyard. And the funny thing is you say that because basically it opened up my whole world because I, I was starting to shoot, you know, obviously no music stuff. So I was shooting micro bugs and, and just weird, weird stuff, you know, and yeah. it just opened up a whole new world for me. And, uh, you know, we had, a we had to tear a whole backyard up and do a, uh, we had new septic tank and drain fields put in. So yeah. it was a complete disaster. And, uh, yeah, yeah. So I was busy. I mean, I, there was n- never no time I was not busy. That's good. The yard. Yeah. Yard and house stuff. Yeah. It seems like a lot of people took on extra projects or they just try mm-hmm. to focus on things at home. Yeah. And then you, and then you try to go to Home Depot or Lowe's and try to get something and oh, forget it because it was all sold out. Everybody was doing the same thing. I'm sure my wife visited Lowe's like probably six times in the same two week period for looking for the same stuff. Every (laughs) time she'd come home empty handed or something that she didn't want to buy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Whatever. Now most of it's said and done. Hopefully. Yeah. 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 So when, uh, one thing I've always kind of wondered since uh, meeting you is where did you get your nickname iron from? Um, so that came about because back in, 95 uh i was writing i was writing for the local music magazine the rocket and they were famous i mean this this magazine was the mag the local music magazine and uh they threw in uh, my I, my editor threw in a, the very first sugar ray cd and it was called lemonade and brownies and uh, so i took it home to listen to and it blew me away it was like it was metal and rock and kind of hip hop all stuck together. And I was just like, wow, this is amazing. And, and, uh, I remember my editor saying, Hey, the band's playing this week at the rock candy. Do you want to go to the show? And I was like, hell yeah, I want to go. And so yep. I went to the show. Uh, I, f- I photographed it in, on film. This is 95. So mm-hmm. shot with film and uh, I just I met the guys after the show and uh, we became friends. And, uh, you know, to make a long story short, I started working with them. I started doing their web stuff and everything. And uh, from that, on the very first album, there was a song called Iron Mike. And it was written for Mike. It was written for Mike Tyson. You know, yeah. and, and they spelled it M-I-C. So it was Iron, you know, M-I-C, Mike. right? Yeah. And uh, yeah. And so from that that all of a sudden they just started calling me iron Mike, you know, and, uh, it, it, and it, it just stuck. It, it stuck. And then it really was cemented when I was featured on, uh, VH one. It was a show called, um, Oh, fanfare or something like that. But anyways, it was this show that like super fans and they considered me as a, you know, I was a super fan, but I was actually working for the band. So I had like 15 minutes where VH1 came to my house. They they showed what I did with the band, what I did, and everything else. And also they had the members, you know, talk about me during the show. 
Yep. And uh, so every time, you know, it was like Iron Mike, Iron Mike, you know, and so it just stuck on with all the Sugar Ray fans forever. And then I just, I started using it, you know, because it was just a, it was an easy, uh, easy nickname in the photography world, you yep. know, to, to be uh, re- more recognized <laughs> or remember- it's memorable. Yeah, yeah, it's memorable, exactly. you know. And then, you know, seven years ago, then the Bluebeard came in and and from the cruises, and yeah. uh, that's and that's stuck. I mean, I don't know if I'll be ever be able to get rid of it. <laughs> you know, what, just accept it with grace, and you're good. Oh, exactly. <laughs> uh, speaking of the cruises, like, how did you get involved with those? Now, and that was that was a cool story too. Um, uh, at the time, I was doing um, I was doing uh, Queens Rikes uh, when uh, the new singer Todd Todd Latore joined, and I was doing their promos and I was doing the album photos for the first two albums when he joined the band. And uh, from that, um, there was a there was a guy. Uh, his name is Dave Stavely, and he's a video video guy. And he was working with Monsters of Rock, and I guess one of his one of his guys on the crew. Uh, couldn't make it so he was stuck and didn't know anybody that could come in and you know film for him and so he remembered me through Queensryche and just sent me a message saying hey are you interested in like maybe going on a cruise and and doing some video stuff for me and I said sure just give me the camera and tell me what to do and so I uh like I don't even remember it felt like it was only a week a week or two before that time. And so I flew down for monsters and, um, <laughs> and the funny thing about that was that I was going down to do video for him. Yep. So, uh, when I went and, you know, I was doing, I'd set up a tripod and, and film from, you know, we had different people doing different angles. So when the thing was filming, what do I do? I pull out my camera and I decide to take pictures. Right. So I take, I take some pictures and I remember that first or second night and I went back to my room and I posted, I posted like a couple photos on, on my, on my page. Right. Well, then the next day I get a call from the boss man, Larry, Larry Moran. He calls me to the office and I was like, Oh man, I must've done something. I, I don't know what I did. So I went down to his office and he said, Hey, he goes, do me a favor. He's like, do your video stuff but keep taking pictures because I, I want to see, I want to see what you got. And then like after the third, you know, the cruises are like five days. And after about the third day, uh, he, he, he was, he was hooked on my photography, you know, what I did. Yeah. And that I think after that cruise, after that, you know, we did back to back cruises, but the next year he just had me doing photos. I just became doing photos. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. And so then from that time, no, I've been doing Monsters of Rock. We got Cruise of the Edge, which is a Prague cruise with Yes, and that that cruise is killer. And uh, we have uh, the Moody Blues Moody Blues cruise. Uh, we did we did a Def Leppard cruise, and then you know we've done some other different cruises. And then this last, uh, well, before the pandemic mm-hmm. it was in September or October, we had the Mega Cruise. And obviously that was my favorite cruise because yeah. it was, you know, Megadeth, Death Angel and Anthrax and you name it. They were on the cruise. And yeah. uh, that was a dream. That was that was like that was a dream. That was probably like the first time you heard those albums we were talking about. 
Exactly. It, yeah. So so full circle again. You yeah, figure exactly. back in the eighties, all those bands were just beginning, and I was into, and I, uh, you know, back then the other love I did, um, I used to tape, uh, do tape trading around the yeah. world. That was so a huge thing, tape, wasn't it? Yeah. So I had, I still have all those demos, Metallica, Megadeth. Uh, I mean, it goes on and on. You know, I may even have like Guns N' Roses twenty track demo for appetite of destruction you know so i have some wicked wicked stuff but you know it's from all those tape trading days Mm -hmm. but you know just 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 all those bands from the 80s that are still around today kicking ass Mm -hmm. you know and here i was on a cruise and it was all my metal my metal love you know and so then the bands they stay on the boats too yeah 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 that's awesome and especially that cruise is cool too because you go to the bar or something and yeah you know, there's somebody sitting there and it's like yeah you can you can sit there and have a drink with them you know it, you know most of the guys i know now yeah. because i'm old <laughs> but uh <laughs> you know so for, for other people or other fans that have never had the opportunities that i have of meeting musicians and stuff mm-hmm. these cruises these cruises are my favorite because I get to see, I get to see in their eyes, you know, how cool it is to be stuck on a ship with your favorite yeah. artists. And I think that's where uh, Larry has designed these cruises, these different, you know, music genre cruises. Mm-hmm. And it's a blast. I mean, you know, especially something like uh, the Moody Blues cruise. I mean, yep. you think of the Moody Blues, they're an old band. Their fans are you know, our senior citizens, let's say, Mm -hmm. and uh, not to say that I'm not at, you know, 54, but uh, (laughs) uh, to see those people older than me still loving the music, you know, it's their passion. So it's like seeing my parents, you know, there at the shows and seeing them rocking out, you know, I mean, sometimes you got to tell them, Hey, be careful. You know, <laughs> you move too quick. You, you might, break might a throw hip. a hip out, you know, <laughs> you know, and, and the funny, the funny thing about that cruise though, is I remember the first year and I said, I said, there's gotta be 200 motor scooters on this boat. You know, <laughs> so you, do they have some pretty awesome races? Oh, dude, uh, there, there's some stories that I could go on forever on that, but yeah. So, you know, for me in general, I, I, you know, won the lottery in in yeah. in what i love you know I, I love music i love rock i love everything and to be able to work in it work in the industry and and see all these different uh you know because for me i'm always a fan mm-hmm. even though i've worked in this industry i'm a fan i'm the biggest fan you're ever gonna know but I'm lucky in the sense where I've worked it, I've met all these people and I'm friends with them. And so for me to see regular, regular people that don't have my opportunities at shows or on boats and everything else, I love it, you know, because I'm, I'm one of them. I'm one of you, you know, it's, it's just that, that love of music, music's everything. And if anybody tells me, you know, different, I, you know, it's, I'll argue till I die because it doesn't matter what kind of music you're into. It moves you. Yeah. I agree. It's like a window to another world pretty much. 
It is. It's an escape. You know, absolutely. It's an, it, it, you know, it's like a time machine. You know, you ever stick something on like uh, something in your childhood, and you hear the song, even if it's on the radio, and you're like, a memory just pops out of nowhere. Like, oh yep. man, I remember grabbing an ice cream cone. You know, at the beach, hearing you know, that on the radio and going, wow, yep. what is that song? So, you know, so people that don't have music in their life, they're missing out. <laughs> I don't understand. Yeah, I listen exactly. To constantly. Yeah, I do too. I have to all the time. I mean, between me and my wife, you know, we always have something. I mean, we both, we both have to, when we're working, we have to listen to something. Yeah, you know? for sure. Now, so. does she, is she a metalhead too? No, um, she was, she was like the new wave eighties girl. Interesting. So yeah, interesting, but she was into rock and everything else. And then she knows everything through me. So it's like, you know, even though she's not a metal fan, she knows more than most metal fans, you know, just, just through me. Yeah. And, uh, and it's cool because, you know, music has been in her life, you know, her whole life. Mm -hmm. And I, and it was funny too, because we were going through some of her older albums and stuff. And we found a, a journey tour book from like the, like the escape tour. So it's like, I don't even know what year it was. 80, 81, something like that. And so she has the full tour book of back then, you know? Yeah. And I was looking at this going, wow, what kind of weird full circle is this? <laughs> no now, now she's, you know, she, you know, is shooting for him too, you know? with me when she can get out there. So it's cool, man. You know, it, it's cool. I mean, I could sit here and I mean, you know, everybody, everybody has a life and there's always issues and stuff like that. But if I sit here and actually think of my life, I'm like, man, I haven't won the lottery and money, but I won the lottery and music and, and having a life that, that I can enjoy yeah, and you get to meet some pretty cool people yeah, too. Because there's a, you know, there's a lot of people in this world that, you know, they work, go home, work, go home, mm -hmm. and there's nothing else. You know, with me, it's like you know, we got work and we go to concerts and and we just have fun. You know, that's yeah. the main thing. And you've built all those relationships over time, so you've had like pretty awesome friendships. You've had some wicked stories too. You're yeah. not just sitting in a cubicle day in, yep. day out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I did that for a while. I mean, I, mm -hmm. um, you know, I worked at Microsoft and uh, I was a uh, product uh, planner. So I was like doing back in when they, you know, were making floppy disks and CDs yep. and stuff. So I was in a cubicle every day, but my cubicle had music. It had, you know, stuff that I enjoyed and stuff, but. Yeah, if I had to do that now, though, sit in a cubicle all day and stuff, yeah, I don't know. I, I'd go crazy. It doesn't seem like your personality. <laughs> <laughs> it depends on what the job is, you know. But, yeah, there, you know, there's, there's a lot of jobs that, you know, people just do, obviously, for the pay. And, yep. you know, they're not happy with it and stuff. And I would rather do what I'm doing now and not make that bigger money. Yep. Just to be happy. Exactly. You know? And there's and more to life than that. Yeah, there is, you know, and with, with music stuff, you know, 
it's it's opened so many doors, you know, for me and Stephanie to enjoy and go to, you know, especially with our involvement locally um, with the radio stations. So we shoot, you know, we have like five different radio stations we shoot for, and they're all mm-hmm. different genre music. So it's always fun when concerts come to town, you know, and the radio stations want it covered. And I always know when I see the list, like that shows Stephanie's because if I don't give her that show, I'm in big trouble. <laughs> so it's good yeah. that you guys can balance each other out. You're not vying for the same bands. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's some bands, I mean, there's certain bands that I've always wanted to shoot, but she's been a little bigger of a fan. So yep. I let her do it because I mean, I've shot so many different artists that I would have never thought in a million years I, I shot. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, there was one time a couple years back, uh, Tom Petty was coming and he was playing uh, the baseball field and I've always wanted to shoot Tom Petty, but she was just a bigger fan than me. And so I'm like, you shoot him, I'll get him next time. Right. Yeah. Well, I let her shoot him. And then a week later he died. So oh, no, that was, you know, it, you know, I, I felt so bad, you know, but I'm so happy that she got to shoot him. You yeah, know? exactly. So, cause I always know, I, you know, any, any funny thing that happens to me, I always have a positive thought where something better is going to come around and always does. It always happens. I mean, and yeah, just, it just does. So nothing is something could disappoint me for a second, but it'll go away. Cause I know something better is coming around the corner to shoot. How did, how did you learn to deal with problems like that? Like that's with, a really with, good mindset to have. And I don't see that a lot in my daily uh, routine, um, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I mean, there's been bands that I've really wanted to shoot live and I just get, de- I've gotten denied, you know, over and over. And the one that, one that kind of stung me was the uh, Rolling Stones the last time they were here. And uh, yeah, I got denied again, even though, you know, through the radio station and everything, we couldn't, we couldn't get it. And then, um, you know, then you see the people that actually got to shoot and you're like, you know, what, how did they get to shoot that? You know, I mean, it's yeah. like, what kind of, what kind of outlet do they have over mm-hmm. what we have on radio, you know I mean? Or whatever. So there's stuff like that, but I just take it with a grain of salt, you know, it's just like, okay, I didn't shoot the Rolling Stones, but you know what? I've shot so many other bands that other people haven't, you know, and I'll use my kiss, my kiss excuse. You know, I shot the original four. Yep. And nothing to me could be better than that. The original kiss. I shot the original kiss. Everything else is just a cherry on top, (laughs) Yeah. you know? So, well, and like you were saying earlier, that was your your first concert, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yep. So yeah, just to have Gene Paul and Ace and Peter feet from me with yeah. my camera is just you know amazing, you know, and especially when they did the the reunion tour. I mean, that's when I shot them is like '96 with the original four. And um, a, a funny story is uh, Tommy Thayer was their tour manager before he joined Kiss. Interesting. So, yeah. So 
uh, you know, and Tommy was from Portland, so he was in black and blue. So I knew, you know, in the local local scene. So yeah. I kind of knew him through that. And um, the second show of that that tour, um, he let me come in during the encore and shoot, and nobody else. There was no one else, just me. And uh, cool. I mean, it was amazing. I had Peter Chris sitting three feet. I mean, right there on stage on a stool singing Beth. And it was just me in the pit with my camera in the, in the crowd behind me. And, and I was just like, what is going on here? It's like, this is insane, you know? And it's quite every time, yeah. And every time I look at those photos, I'm just like, man, how lucky was I, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah. Even so, just I mean, ex- experiencing music at that, uh, that level, I guess, over so many years, but gen- then to work, while experiencing it is pretty cool as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, even though I work, you know, with shooting higher n- known bands and stuff, my love of local music is always been a forte of mine, you know, because if it doesn't start local, it won't go national. Yep. And, that's kind of a mind mindset that like we were talking earlier is, is changing. You know, it's like, I don't know how, how these local bands are going to break into the bigger scene when there's really no local scene to play in. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. So it'll be interesting in the next couple of years to see how, how the club scene um, comes back from COVID and, I think there might be also some difficulty because it seems like there's so many bands, different groups putting their stuff on like Spotify and iTunes. So they don't necessarily need to be local, but if they don't have that local scene, they're not out there getting gigs too. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a difficult situation to be a, a new band or a local band. <laughs> doesn't matter what music genre. Yeah, exactly. Um, speaking of local bands, there was one band I saw on your Instagram, uh, Candlebox. I checked them out. They're actually pretty good. Um, you shot them. You shot them quite a few times over the years. Yeah, I, I sh- saw a picture from 1993. Is is that one of your pictures as well? Yeah, yeah. That was that 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 picture you probably saw was at the Weathered Wall. It was this club? It didn't stay open. It wasn't open for me- too long. And uh, yeah, I shot them. 93 and that was their first album cd release show okay so that was a pretty that was a cool show and so yeah shot that on a minolta 8000i with i think that time i was probably using 1600 speed film or 800 and uh yeah you just go to the show and you you have these settings in your head and you're like you click and go man i hope i got it and then you yep. have to go and get it. You have to go home, send the film off, you know, or drop it off at the local camera store. And then you'll get your, your shots, you know, a couple of days later. Yeah. <laughs> not, to see if not you like actually today. made the shots. <laughs> exactly. Not like today where you just shoot it, you look at it. Okay, good. I'm good. You know, and, and it's done. Yeah. And nowadays you can take 600 pictures and there's no problem. Back then it was like four or five rolls of yeah. camera. Yeah. <laughs> or oh, sorry, a film. Man. Um, when you're shooting concert photography, like, are there specific things you have to look for? Like, obviously there's, um, pyrotechnics or theatrics, but like, what, what do you focus on? 
Oh, man. Um, as my wife says and does happen, I go into the zone when I'm shooting a live show. So basically what that is, is I put myself in their shoes. Whoever's on stage, I put the, myself in their shoes. And I feel the music. I see it. And I just kind of, you know, I, I kind of predict what they're going to do to get the shot. Interesting. And that's what's built my eye for concert photography over the years, you know, just putting myself in their shoes. And uh, for years, you know, it was like that. But nowadays, it's a little easier in the sense where if I don't know a certain band that I'm going to go shoot, you know, you could do your you could do your homework. So, like for photographers that have never shot a band, now you have the internet. Do your homework. Go onto YouTube. Pull up a live video, and see the band. Because uh, with with my uh, luck, uh, most of the times you know you shoot three songs and you're out of the pit. Mm -hmm. uh, so for them, uh, you kind of don't have too much time to get to get what you want to get. So if you go onto YouTube, you know, search a band and kind of get an idea of what they're doing live, you know, that's going to help you a lot when you go into the photo pit. Okay. And, and shoot the show, you know, and, and, you know, if there's like a certain, you know, explosion or something or something, you know, a jump or something, you know, you can have an idea of when it's going to happen. And yeah. And they it. generally like to stay consistent with that too. Yeah. Yeah. They're pretty much consistent. So, you know, for, the uh, up and coming photographers and stuff, you know, do your, do your homework. YouTube's there for you. <laughs> yeah. I think that's for basically any subject now. Like that's how I learned uh, all this yeah. podcasting stuff. Yep. Yeah, it's true. I mean, YouTube is basically, um, it's our encyclopedia. So when I was a kid, you know, we had the, the book, you know, yep. the paper and, and stuff. The ones that you never looked at, they just took up space. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> Nowadays, everything's online. You don't, you don't need to read a book anymore, right? No, exactly. It's, it's kind of interesting. Like YouTube makes everything quite a bit easier for when you're trying to learn, but mm -hmm. you can also just go on it and waste four or five hours doing nothing. Oh, dad, don't even get me started there. You, you know, you go into YouTube and watch a video. Next thing you know, you're like, what? two hours just went by. You know? Yeah. I have yep. to get up for work again. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Yeah. No. Yeah. That would suck. Yeah. So then obviously there's a difference, uh, between like nature photography and concerts. So what kind of things, what kind of things do you prefer shooting outside of music? Oh boy. I, I just love getting outside. Yeah. Fair going enough. on a hike or whatever, just yep. shooting, Whatever's there, whatever, I, I don't know. I, I got, in my head, I have this weird mystique where things come to me. It's like, I can just like, I, what I, what I do actually every night, uh, which I'm going to after <laughs> we're done here is yeah. I go down to, I, I live a, I live a block or two away from the waterfront. Yep. So I go down to the, the lighthouse park and I just go there and sit on a log and, Whatever happens is what I'm going to shoot. And there's some nights that things are just blowing up. I mean, you get bald eagles, you get dolphins or whatever happening and shoot, you know, and there's other nights that there's nothing, but I just like getting out and sh shooting, shooting anything, 
really shooting anything. And just being out. Yeah, just what? being out. Just being out and catching whatever's outside and you know, and we do weddings, you know, yep. weddings and and stuff. So I can imagine those being far more demanding than concerts in like I oh, guess requests or directions. Yeah. Uh weddings are the most stressful kind of photography you can do. You know, and I did a couple by myself and I don't think I'd ever do it again because now my wife, my wife shoots. So now when we do weddings, you know, where we have two people and it makes it so much easier because, you know, I could get the groom, she gets the bride and, and then we get everything else in between and it makes it heck of a lot easier. And, uh, especially, uh, you know, when you're shooting digital now, now our cameras have, two slots in them so basically we have a uh, a backup of the picture we took so that had that gives you a a sense of uh, security when you're shooting weddings because you know back in the day you know mm-hmm. you're, you're shooting and <laughs> something goes wrong with your main card in your camera and you lose everything <laughs> uh yeah you don't want to do that for a wedding yeah, so, I never thought about that. Yeah, so nowadays it's we we bought new cameras. They have two slots in them, so that's it's yeah. It's it's. It great. seems like such a small change, but something that can save you so much stress. Oh, exactly. But can you imagine shooting no. a wedding and then no. all of a sudden that one card goes berserk? No, I wouldn't want to. Imagine what do you that do? At all. What do you do? You know, what do you Not, do? You just leave. You say, sorry, there's nothing I can do. You have to get married again. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. Oh, man. So, yeah, we got a wedding later this month to shoot, and I can't wait. So it's going to be fun. Is it – I wonder how, like, how different it would be. Obviously, there's a there's a ceremonial part of things. There's the reception. There's hmm. – um, but, I mean, I guess in both sides of things, people are there to enjoy themselves. Yeah. Overall. Yeah. So I guess you can kind of have the same feeling that way. Yeah. I'm sure you've had some interesting weddings, though, too. Um, yeah. 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 I've had, yeah, I've had, I've had, oh yeah, I've had, I've had, yeah, I can't even talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Yeah. Um, one thing I wanted to chat with you about something that I was quite interested in, uh, after the George, uh, sorry, the George Floyd incident, Mm -hmm. um, the Chaz, uh, or the Chad, uh, incident oh, yeah. in Seattle. Did you happen to take any pictures of that or how did it affect you or? Um, no, I, I didn't go up there. Um, just because it was just, I don't know. It, it was pretty unsafe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was pretty unsafe. So, uh, I wanted to go down and do it, but, uh, yeah, I just, I just never did. I had some friends that went and shot it and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they had some cool photos and stuff. But uh, I pretty much played it safe, stayed home. Yep. It seems like it could. It was a lot of chaos at that point. Yeah, especially in Seattle. I mean, they, you know, obviously you know of the riots and everything mm-hmm. else that have ha- happened here. So it's you know sometimes downtown Seattle is not the uh, smartest place to be when that's happening. No. Well, that's that's kind of why I wondered if uh, if it affected you uh, at all. Um, no, it didn't affect me at all. Uh, my wife, her her work where she worked was down there, and uh, you know, a lot of so much stuff got 
destroyed down there. I mean, we went down there and when it was things calmed down and Mm -hmm. just just to see all the broken windows and the spray paint and all this stuff and destruction is just, I don't know. It's it's kind of disheartening that, you know, the world has to get to a point where they need to go out and make a point. I mean, obviously they're making a point, but to destroy other people's property to make your Mm -hmm. point, uh, that's where it draws a line for me because you're affecting other people's livelihoods. You know, people that people that, you know, people, whatever subject matter you're, you're fighting for, you know, that guy that owns a restaurant right there, I guarantee has nothing to do with what you're protesting about, but you just went and destroyed his business. Yep. You know, and I, that's what I hate on the news. You know, you see the guys, you know, outside their business crying, you know, because they lost everything. It's their livelihood. It's because of some, you know, ding dongs. (laughs) I'll call them ding dong. Um, (laughs) that think, you know, putting on a whole black suit and going out and destroying everything is going to get their point across, you know? No, if anything, that just reduces the credibility. Exactly. In my opinion, it reduces the credibility. It's so. crazy. I don't know. How, how are things, uh, have, they've obviously cleaned up since then, but how are things yeah. now that that's kind of lapsed? Yeah. Um, we were down in downtown a couple weeks ago and it's gotten better. It's gotten Good. better. But, you know, there's still a lot of issues here in Seattle, you know, with the homelessness. Yep. And the, the homeless encampments. And it's just, uh, yeah, we could we could do a whole other podcast on that because it's just. No doubt. It's so disheartening to see, you know, a city just kind of go go backwards, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, you know, it, I don't know. It, it, to me, there's too many people in this world right now. Too many people, you know, and too many people living in a tight space. Yes. You know, so things are going to explode, <laughs> you know, it, it's it's just going to happen. So I don't think people are meant to be in that confined of spaces. Yeah. Yeah. Just, I don't it's know. It's not healthy. People want to be out and explore, but yeah. Well, is there anything else you'd like to cover, Mike? Man, I think we've, uh, <laughs> we could probably talk for hours, but <laughs> probably I'd be happy to have you back on the show. I'd all, I'd also oh, like yeah. to talk to you about anything that you'd, uh, you'd want. So yeah, anytime, man. Yeah. I enjoyed this. <laughs> awesome. Well, I appreciate you coming on for my first episode and, uh, oh, yeah. yeah, I will let you know as soon as we get ready to air. All right, cool. All right. We'll shut this thing down and we'll chat here in a couple yeah. moments. All right, cool. Thank you for tuning in, and we will see you next time on Gyro Nation Metal. Please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. The podcast can be found on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. If you would like to support this podcast, please consider checking out my Patreon. Thank you.